That's incredible. You know, I got to take kids to that camp for 10 years. Well, actually 12 years because the first two years here, I took kids as well. And um, part of me misses it, but part of me also really appreciates a clean shower. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 we feel that. There's certain sacrifices that you make. <laughs> uh, but we were able to go up and see, see the group. Uh, it was Monday night, wasn't it? And uh, hang out for a little bit. And uh, it was the first time I'd been back since 2019. So it's just incredible. And thank you so much. Um, I hope you guys recognize the impact that you're making. Come on, can we give it up for our leaders? Go ahead and get your Bibles open to Acts chapter 19, and I'll be there in just a little bit, and we'll read, uh, we'll start with the first verse when we get there, but I'm just going to lay it out there today. I'm not going to, uh, to try to introduce this in any special, uh, cheeky way. I'm just going to jump right into it. I don't even have a, a very specific title. I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'll be really honest with you, this is not where I thought I was going to be uh, today. I figured, uh, I had prayed and, and thought that I was going to be going a very different direction, uh, sort of building off of last week's message. And in fact, this, this week's message does also build off of last week's. But uh, about Tuesday, I, I kind of just got the impression in, in the Lord and my time in prayer that, that I needed to, to go this direction because... For some of you, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there, right? Some of you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Some of you need to be refilled. Some of you have been running on empty for too long. You've been running on fumes, right? You've been making it, and you've been surviving. But how many of you understand that God never called you to survive through life? He called you, Romans 5, 17, to reign in life, right? To be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you. And in order to be and to live at the full capacity of all that God has for each and every one of us, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'll get into that word in a little bit. And I know for many of you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you think you know what I'm talking about, but you don't know. And some of you are like, mm, I wish I wouldn't have come to church today. Uh, Chad said, I got a little Baptist in me. And listen, I love Baptists. I love my Baptist friends. Where, have we got any Baptist background friends in the house today? Listen, I ain't got nothing against no Baptists. Uh, but uh, we're going to go places today that I don't think Chad's been before, at least not a whole lot. Uh, and, and he's going to love it. Amen. So, so let, me, let, me, let me set some uh, things in motion here before we get to our passage in Acts chapter 19. Jesus uh, on Passover, we call it Easter for us in the Christian, as Christians, is uh, on the cross. He has, been, he has been buried. He has been resurrected. And the Bible says he spends 40 days, uh, give or take, uh, walking around, doing ministry. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that he was actually seen visibly by over 500 people at one time. And if you want, if you want some, some very hard-to-debate proof that the resurrection actually happened, you have to go to the accounts of people who saw Jesus. They use things like geography and landmarks and personal eyewitness testimonies to show us and to prove to us and to make known to us that this gospel message really is true. Amen? Amen. And um, one of the things Jesus says uh, before he ascends into heaven, he says to his disciples, he says, I'm about to leave you. And, and don't be worried, don't be, don't, this is actually in John 16 before he dies, but he also says that I'm sure a few times afterwards, he says, I'm about to leave, I'm going to go to my father. And the disciples are un understandably upset about this. And, and, and they're, not, they're not okay with this. They spent three plus years with Jesus. They, they, they've kind of grown to the place where they like having him around. And, you know, Jesus' name, when, when, when the angel Gabriel tells Mary, you're going to have a son and his name will be Emmanuel, it means God with us. And, and so the disciples have really gotten to live in that reality of God in the flesh with us. But he says to his disciples, here, coming soon, I'm going to leave. He says, and I'm going to go to my father. And, but when I go to my father, I am going to send you somebody else. I'm going to send you the comforter. In Greek, it's the word paraclete. Uh, we would use words like advocate, comforter, helper, friend, 
Somebody that would come alongside and would help us move and help us live and help us do. And then uh, Jesus says, it's, it's good for me that I, uh, good for you that I leave. Now I want you to hold on to that thought for just a moment. That Jesus in the flesh is looking at you eye to eye and he is telling you, it's good for you that I'm getting out of here. And I want you to understand the irony in that statement. Like how many of you would like to see Jesus in the flesh face-to-face. Raise your hand. Come on, like, if you ain't raising your hand, I don't know what's wrong with you right now. I would love that, but it's never happened for me, and maybe one day it will, and hopefully hopefully it doesn't scare me uh, to death, literally. So I'd see him face-to-face, and then I would see him again, right? (laughs) And you would think that having Jesus with you in the flesh, right beside you, would be the best possible scenario to be everything God has called you to be and to do everything God has called you to do. But Jesus says, it's good for you that I'm leaving because I'm going to send one who, will not, who won't just be with you, but he will live in you. The Holy Spirit. He says, it's good for you. And then he tells his disciples... He says, go into all the world. We see this in Matthew 28. We see this in Mark 16. We see this at the end of Luke, at the beginning of Acts. He says, go into all the world and preach this gospel. Preach this good news. Telling people about what has happened. Telling people what you've seen, what you've experienced. Telling people that the kingdom has come. He says, but before you go, Now, this doesn't get preached enough, but today we're going to make it right. He says, before you go, go to Jerusalem. And get together and wait. Everybody say that word, wait. Wait. He said, wait on the promise of the one that I've told you about that is coming. The The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's funny because you can go read this in Acts chapter 1. Jesus is telling all these things. He's telling his disciples these things. And right after he says, go to Jerusalem and wait, one of the first questions they ask of Jesus, Jesus is now the time when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel back to its fullness? And Jesus, I'm just, I'm telling you, I, I wasn't there. I, I didn't see it in person, but I have a feeling that immediately he rolled his eyes. He's like, oh my gosh, oh myself. That's what he said, oh myself, right? Oh myself. He said, oh myself, like, why are you asking me about the kingdom of Israel? We're not talking about the kingdoms of man. We're talking about the kingdom of God here. He's like, I got to imagine that he was thinking, after all you've seen, you're still worried about an earthly throne where we should be worried about a heavenly kingdom. So this is what happens a lot of times in our churches today. We need to be preaching the kingdom of God, but we're too worried about the politics of man to focus on the things that really matter. Oh, that's, oh, that's too real, right? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that's in the Bible and it hurts your feelings and it confronts your heresy and idolatry. Anyway, now that I've got everybody feeling good in the house today, he says, no, you're worrying about things that are of no concern to you. I'm paraphrasing here, but basically what he says, he says, listen, you let the father deal with those things. You just do what I told you to do. And what did he tell us to do? He told us to wait on the promise of the spirit and then to preach the gospel wherever we go. And, that, and that, that's, that's how Jesus confronts the situation where politics started taking priority over what he had told them to do. But anyway, he says, you're worried about things that are your concern. He says, go to Jerusalem. There you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is about 40 days, right? Everybody okay this morning? It feels awkwardly quiet in the house. But I'm just going to roll with it. We good? Braxton, I'm glad you're back over there laughing at me again, homie. It's good to see you. How was Africa? Was it Africa? You should have just said, yeah, and then you could have corrected me after church, but whatever. (laughs) Thanks for that. I wasn't asking about Noah. I just want to put that out there. Anyway, where did you go? Where did you go, Braxton? Okay, that's right. That's a good... That's a good rule of thumb. He was on a mission trip. Thank you, Kai Alpha and all our Kai Alpha leaders for all you do. They uh, been gone for over two weeks, right? And uh, so, yeah, anyway, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're making fun of me. Can't wait to see what you text me later to make fun of me about. 
Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, wait on the promise. This is about 40 days after he resurrected. And remember, the day of Pentecost comes, Acts chapter 2. So we go, we fast forward 10 more days, which is, does anybody remember what the word Pentecost in Greek means? 50, right? So we're about 50 days after the resurrection. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, on the day of Pentecost, or when the, some translations say when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when, when, when the fullness of that season, that festival was at, at, full, at full bore, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, came. The Bible says that a sound like a mighty rushing wind filled the room where they were, and they, they looked and they saw tongues that looked like uh, cloven tongues of fire that began, and it descended on each one of those that were gathered there in the upper room that day. Remember, they were together. They were in one mind and one accord, right? There's something powerful that happens when unity takes precedence in the people of God, right? Amen. And the Bible says that they begin to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance to do so. And, and there were people there gathered from uh, all around the known world at that time. Uh, Acts uh, 2 verse 5 begins, it says, The Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Ferga, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Time out. I just need you to understand something that's so cool right now. We believe and we have pretty good evidential proof that the visitors from Rome that were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost actually established the church at Rome that 30 years later Paul writes the, the letter to the Romans. That's who he's writing to. People who received the gospel, who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that day in Acts chapter 2. Come on, isn't that cool? I'm telling you, the more you study this book, the more you realize it is the authoritative word of God. It is reliable and accurate. There were Cretans, there were Arabs there. Peter preaches this message. They, they, they hear these men who they say, aren't these Galileans? How are they speaking in my native language? The Cappadocians are like, how do they know how to say that? They don't even have an accent. They sound the way we sound, but they're Galileans. And some people say, oh, they're just drunk. They're just intoxicated. And Peter says, guys, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Listen, we ain't that bad. We just woke up, y'all. It's only 9 a.m. We're not drunk. He says, we're not filled with wine. We're filled with the Spirit. This is fulfilling the prophecy that Joel gave however many years ago that in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Come on, somebody. He said, this, this is the promise of God. And Peter begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now remember, 10 days earlier, Peter was at the forefront saying, Jesus, uh, when do I get to sit at your right hand on the throne of David again? Because something changed in Peter after the Holy Spirit settled in his heart. He began to see things differently. He began to think differently. He began to understand differently. And he preaches a message, and the Bible says on that day, 3,000 people were added to the fellowship of the church as they gave their lives to Christ. Now, Acts chapter 19 takes place about 25 years after Acts chapter 2. And a lot has happened. The church at Rome is established. Paul is no longer a persecutor. He is an apostle. Um, Many of the original disciples have already given their life up for Jesus as martyrs of the faith. But the church is growing exponentially every single day. And I just want to go to this passage to, to point out a few things. So this is what it says in verse 1 of chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. So these are Christians. These are people who follow Jesus. They have faith in Christ. And they answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And some of you are in that boat today. You know that the phrase exists in the Bible. You know that he is the third person in the Trinity of the Godhead. But, but that's about as far as your understanding and relationship with the person and the work of the Holy Spirit goes. But today, we're going to change all that, okay? He said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked. He said, what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told them to believe in the coming of the one after him. That's in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, which means they were baptized in water. 
And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, or they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. <clears throat> now, I just want to point this out. Five times in the book of Acts. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> you guys okay? I am a human being, and it is East Tennessee. Help me out here. Five times in the book of Acts, we have the instance of somebody being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And three of those five times, we have very identifiable products that happen in those moments after their tongues, prophecy. Sometimes the ground begins to shake. And I don't know if I'm okay with that one. I, um, I don't know if I trust these rafters. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, I, I feel like if God did it, he would protect us through it. Amen? That's another sermon for another day. So let's pray. We all pray for me as I, as I jump into this. That was my introduction. Now let, let's, let's get down to business. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will be with us, that you will help us. God, that you will minister to us. Lord, that you would help me to be led by you in every word that I say, even my silly jokes. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tara. I don't know if you were getting that for me or for yourself, but I stole it. All right, so I'm just going to, I'm going to lay some, some facts out there. You guys ready? Yeah. If you take notes, these are, this is maybe some good places to take notes. But I, just a few things I want to say. I want to lay some groundwork. Um, and this is a weird sermon for me. This isn't, this isn't a typical message for me. This, I, this feels different. This feels more like a family meeting where we're having a discussion, except I don't really want you to talk back to me unless you're saying amen right now. Um, <laughs> So if you raise your hand to ask a question, I will probably ignore you, just FYI, um, just because it'd be weird and I wouldn't know how to handle it. And also, I'd be afraid of what you might say. <laughs> so here, here we go, just jumping right in. Number one, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not the same as being saved. It is an additional separate work of salvation. Um, also, I want you to understand that being baptized in the Holy Spirit does it make you saved or not saved? Salvation uh, is different. Salvation, so, so um, you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven when you die. Let me just put it out there like that, okay? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift that Jesus wants you to receive. He wants all believers to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he knows, he said it himself, you will be equipped with power to reign in life and to further the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So why would not Jesus want you to have that? He wants it for all believers. Uh, something that, that a lot of people think is that if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you're somehow better than people who haven't. Can I just tell you that's false? The only thing that's true in that is having received the baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you better than who you used to be before you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's, 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 that's the bottom line there. The gifts of the Spirit are a product of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they are available to you, and you should want them. You should want them. And, and let me just give you a list here. Anybody, you guys okay with me just giving you lists? So, so th this, is, this is some of the gifts. It's not all of the gifts, but it's some of the gifts. We have tongues and interpretation of tongues. Uh, we have the gift of praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. We have the gift of prophecy. Did you know serving is a spiritual gift? Teaching and preaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, discerning of spirits, administration. Did you know that hospitality is listed as a gift of the Spirit and even the gift of helps? Somebody that just says, you know, there's a gap. I bet I can feel that. That is a spiritual gift that God has given a person. But there are some traps when it comes to spiritual gifts that... that people on both sides of the camp may fall into. And the, and the first one uh, is that there are believers who think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit were only for the early church and only for the apostles. But, but nothing about that makes sense. And, and, you know, the word that we might use would be like cessations or cessationalism, that, that after the, the early church died off, that the gifts of the Spirit stopped working. It was, they, they would say something to the effect that it was like God said, you know, now that the church is established and, and the, the early believers are died off, the, the rest of the believers throughout history, they don't really need my uh, indwelling presence in them anymore to do the impossible and to see the gospel of Jesus spread to the furthermost regions of the earth. And, and, and 
the logical stance on that is there is no logic to that. I think we can agree with that. Nothing about that makes sense. And anybody who tries to prove that from Scripture is just cherry-picking a verse here or there and trying to make a point that makes no sense. And quite honestly, I don't want it to make sense because I want to know God and the fullness of God. But there's another side to that coin as well. It's the side of idolatry where we make the the gifts of the Spirit and the experience of the Spirit something that it was never meant to be. And we make it our focus instead of the God who gives the gifts and who gives the Spirit. There's also the trap of, of, and I've seen this, and some of you have probably seen this, where we, we approach the gifts of the Spirit instead of seeing them. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he said a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help or so that we can serve one another. But, but what I've seen all too often is that spiritual gifts are used more for showboating than for serving. And that's not God. God's not in that. God doesn't give you spiritual gifts so that people can look at you. God gives you spiritual gifts so that you can point people to him. So in the New Testament, there are three baptisms that are given. And some of you are like, I just, I've only ever heard of one. Um, but there are three New Testament baptisms. And the word baptism in Greek is baptizo, which simply means to immerse. It doesn't mean to sprinkle. It doesn't mean to dip. It doesn't mean to, to splash. It means to immerse. It means to be completely enveloped by something. And the first baptism in the New Testament, and we call this salvation, uh, but the first baptism in the New Testament is that the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus because it is impossible for you to come to saving faith in Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit drawing you to repentance. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. Paul says it like this in Galatians. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith for all who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So we call it salvation. So as I am baptized into Jesus, I am immersed into a relationship with Jesus and into his church. And can I just tell you uh, from the bottom of my heart of love, it is impossible for you to say, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I do not have a relationship with his church. Because there is no way that you can have a relationship with somebody's head, but not with their body, okay? Oh, we just do church at my house. No, you don't. Not, not, what, not what the Bible says. You've made, you've made yourself a God unto yourself. That's what you've done. I'm sorry. You okay? It would be like somebody saying, oh, I, you know, I love Drew. He's my favorite, but I can't stand his family. Let me tell you right now, we ain't going to be friends. You ain't going to love me much longer. Because I'm going to have something to say to you and you're not going to like it. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. We call it salvation. We call it being born again as we are immersed into relationship with Christ and in his body. Uh, The second baptism in the New Testament is it happens when a disciple baptizes us in water. Acts 2.41, we go back to Acts chapter 2. After Peter preached, the Bible says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Uh, Something that some people uh, need some clarity on and need to understand is that water baptism is also separate from salvation. Being baptized in water doesn't make you saved and not being baptized in water doesn't make you saved. Water baptism doesn't save somebody. Faith in Christ and in Christ alone is what brings salvation. Amen? However, everybody say however. Water baptism is always tied to salvation. In fact, 27 times throughout the New Testament, the phrase saved and baptized appears. Because baptism is a public proclamation of my new life and new faith in Christ. It would be like me saying, you know, wearing a wedding band, or in my case, a wedding tattoo, because I didn't always have mine, and my wife said, it's it's time. And... (laughs) Because I'm bad about putting it on. And, and, and so, but, you know, wearing a wedding band doesn't make you married. Sorry, anybody who thought that. Um, it doesn't make you married, but it is representative of the covenant of marriage. Being water baptized doesn't make you saved, but it is representative of the covenant that you have entered into with Jesus as you have went into new life with him. And if you travel to countries around this world, 
and you preach the gospel, <clears throat> especially in the countries of Asia, you will see that they will accommodate your preaching. They will accommodate your message. They will listen to you talk about Jesus. And if you were to give an altar call and say, do you want to give your life to Jesus? <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I don't know what's happening with me today. I think it's all these front row people making me nervous. <laughs> if you were to give an altar call and say, do you want to give your life to Jesus? They would more than likely say, yeah. But they wouldn't necessarily do it because they really want to give their life to Jesus. They might. But they would more than likely do it because they want to be courteous to you because they're a hospitable people. However, the moment you said, do you want to be baptized in water to show your community that you have made a change in your life? That would be the moment you would find out whether or not they had truly given their life to Christ. Because you see, when we're baptized, we are showing the world around us that the old me, before I go into that water, that the old me is being buried, just like Jesus. This comes from Romans chapter 6. The old me is buried, just as Jesus was buried after he was on the cross. And just as Jesus was in the tomb for three days, I am in the water and, and is representative of the old me having passed away. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Behold, all things have been made new again. As I come up out of that water, I'm a new creation in Christ, brand new. And it is representative, showing the world that who I was is no longer, but who I am is made new in Jesus. And so if you've never been water baptized, but you have made a profession of faith, I want to encourage you. You need to get baptized. It's not going to save you, but Jesus himself was even baptized. And he told us to be baptized. It's obedience to him. Water baptism, I say this a lot is an outward profession of an inward confession. And, and I've heard this said too, that, you know, my faith in Jesus, it's just a private faith. You know, I don't, I don't like talk about it a lot. And can I tell you in love that there's no such thing as private faith in Jesus? There might be private faith in something that you think is Jesus, but there's no such thing as private faith in Christ because the gospel demands to be shared. Every single one of us, not just preachers, not just prophets, apostles, evangelists, or teachers, but every single one of us who name Jesus as Lord and Savior have been commissioned by Jesus himself to share the good news of Christ, to be baptized. And then the last baptism of the New Testament is that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in fact, Jesus is the one that baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So let me, let me walk you through this progression. It may seem confusing, and, and I hope it's making sense to you. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, and we are saved. A disciple baptizes us in water as we make a public proclamation of our faith. And Jesus himself is the Holy Spirit baptizer. And he is the one who ascended into heaven and said, I will send another, and he won't just be with you. He will live in you. And Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. This is, this is how the Gospel of John says it. And this comes from the account specifically of John the Baptist. You guys got a minute while I read the Bible? John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. He says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his testimony. He says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove. Not, not a dove. I just want to make, you, make it clear. A lot of people think that the Holy Spirit is a dove. That's not true. It just means that the Holy Spirit, they're just using metaphors to describe what they saw as a dove, and he remained on him. And that's very important that you understand that throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would descend on somebody, but then he would also lift from that person. It happened in the life of Saul. It happened in the life of Samson and many different men and women throughout the Bible. But God was kind of done with that, right? He, he, he was tired of, of giving and, and taking back. And, and, and so with Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and remained on him. And John says, he, said, he goes on and he says, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit because Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And John says, I have seen and I testify that this, speaking of Jesus, is God's chosen one. And Jesus was both 
baptized in water. You can go read about it in Matthew chapter 3. He was baptized in water by John the Baptist, and he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is a beautiful thing if you, if you really hold on to this, because how many of you understand Jesus is our example for life? He is not just our Savior. He is not just our Lord, but he's also the one in whose footsteps we follow. And you might say, well, how can I live the way Jesus lived? How can I be like Christ? He was the Son of God. Well, you need, my friend, to go read Philippians chapter 2, where Paul tells us that Jesus willingly laid aside his rights as the Son of God, and he put on a garment of flesh, and he chose to live the life of a servant. And then we read about in Matthew 3 and John 1, that Jesus was a man who was fully obedient to the word of God, who was fully filled with the spirit of God. So this is how Jesus is our example, is that everything that Jesus did on earth, he did it not as the son of God, he did it as the son of man, who was fully filled and fully obedient to the word of God. I thought I would get some more amens on that one. So that's how Jesus is your example. You say, oh, I can't measure up to that. Well, you can start today by asking to be filled with his spirit and choosing to be obedient to his word. Jesus was baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. I heard a preacher say one time, I don't know who said it, but it was too good to forget, so I wrote it down. He said, if having a glass full of water is salvation, then throwing that glass into the ocean is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So today, God wants to baptize you in his spirit. If you've never received or if you've been running on empty. So before I make an altar call here in a few minutes, you just need to go ahead and make up your mind. When Pastor Drew says, come, if you want to be filled, I'm not going to be worried about what somebody thinks. I'm not going to be thinking, oh, I can, I can just get what I need sitting in my seat. I need something from God. You just go ahead and make up your mind right now because we're going to get there in about 15 minutes. You guys Okay. So, how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to make this as simple as possible. Um, some steps that I've heard before that made sense to me. And so, I am, uh, I'm giving you what was given to me. The first thing that we have to do is we have to remove any barriers. We have to remove any barriers that stand in the way of us receiving the Holy Spirit. Peter, in Acts 2 as we talked about earlier, he preaches this message. And it's, it's so cool because Peter didn't give an altar call, you, you guys. Peter preaches this message, and the Bible says that those who heard his message were cut to the heart, which is a really fancy way of saying they were convicted of their sin. And they, they're the ones that made the altar call. They said, Peter, what must we do to be saved? Like, if somebody in church did that with me, if they just said, Pastor Drew, before you give the altar call, just tell me what to do now. I don't really know. I would be so shocked. I don't know what I would do. And this is what Peter says in verse 38 of chapter 2. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He specifically tells them to do two things. The first thing he tells them to do is repent. Now, how many of you know that that's a good word, not a bad word? To repent of your sin means that you are taking account of whatever it is in your life that you know is, is in disobedience to the way, the will, and the word of God, and you are turning your back on that thing, whether it's the way you think, the way you speak, something you do, whatever it may be, and you are choosing to then redirect your attention to your father and say, no longer am I going to go this way, but I'm going to go this way. I'm going to do what God says. And, 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 and for many of you in this room, for many of us in this room, there are things in your life that you're doing intentionally, knowing that it's wrong, knowing that it is uh, hurting the heart of God, but you're continuing to do it. And because you're doing it, you might go to heaven when you die, but you are prohibiting the Spirit of God to live in you right now so that heaven cannot just be a destination for you one day, but so that heaven can be a reality for you today. And so we ask questions like, is it a sin for me too? And then we fill in the blank with the thing that we hope we can get away with. We, we, we treat the righteousness of God like a, 
IRS tax code looking for loopholes to get by with stuff that we think we can do and, and still be okay with God. But that's not how love works. How would your spouse feel if you said to them, you know, I love you and I like you, but she looks pretty good too. Do you think we can work something out? That is stupid. But that's how we treat God. That's how we treat the holiness. We take the blood of Jesus and we trample on it because we approve of our preferences over his holiness. And I'm telling you right now, revival will not come into your life and into our church and into our world. I'm not worried about the world living right. That is ludicrous to expect people who have not been born again to act like they've been born again. That's the problem with our country, everybody. The problem with our country is not in Washington. Come on. You don't like this, but I don't give a rip because it's true. The problem with our country are churches and men and women of God who are wearing the t-shirt, but they ain't walking the walk. They're not living the life. And some of you clapping right now, but you need to go home and take an account of your own life. Oh, now you didn't clap. I don't know. I talked you out of it, didn't I? Let me say it like this. There are some things that you know are sin because the Holy Spirit has cut you to the heart. There are some things that you need to get in his word and you need to understand this isn't the way God's called me to live. And there's some things that you need to get around mature men and women of God so that they can see it in you and in love call it out and confront it. And you need to put your big boy pants on and stop getting offended at every little thing and allow men and women in your life to be able to reprove and approve of you as well. You know, when I, when I became a Christian, I was 15 years old. I'm 37 right now, and, and, and I certainly have not arrived to a place of, of absolute sanctification and holiness. And if you know me very well, you know that very well. Um, Why would you laugh so loud over? I heard you. Yeah. Mm. But the night I became a Christian, and many of you have heard this story before, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. But the night I became a Christian, it was a Wednesday night. It was July 16th, 2000. And I go to this little church. It's the church I served in and, and worshipped in until I went to college. And, and I hear the gospel and I give my life to Christ. He makes me new. I spent over two hours in an altar. Not two hours at church. It was midnight before I got home. And some of y'all are thinking, "Is it? it's lunchtime. Why are we still here? But I spent over two hours in the altar just boohooing my eyes out as the Holy Spirit began, like Chad was saying, began to just break down the brokenness, but then to build me back up again as he was making me new. And, and went through that process, gave my life to Jesus, was radically transformed, was radically saved, was brought to new life. I walked in a suicidal, hateful, angry, mean, mad, cussing, stomping, kicking, spitting, whatever else, teenager. But I left with a heart that was changed forever by the love of Christ. My dad had died about a year earlier and I had taken his 1998 Chevy Silverado and I had some kicker solo barracks installed under the back seat of it with an El Chameleon radio made by JVC with an MTX amp and I had blue, not LED because I don't think they existed yet. I had little blue lights inside of it that bumped, every, it would blink every time the bass hit because I was that cool. <laughs> had my Swisher Sweets up in the little top rack right there. Some of y'all, y'all don't even know. I was like a mix between redneck, gangster, and prep all combined into one little awful package. I was wearing my Birkenstocks, but my gold chain. I mean, it was just bad. It was a bad mix. It was bad. When God saved me, he saved me from so much. <laughs> Look, Ben's leaving. He's so offended by this truth. But I got in my dad's truck, I turned it on, and my, my El Chameleon radio flipped back around. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to look it up, because it's amazing. It flipped around, and it started bumping my gangster rap. Come on. <laughs> and it was about a half-mile drive from the church to my mom's house. By the time I got to my mom's house, I knew this music wasn't for me. It was my, it was my, favorite, my favorite songs, right? I had my CD binder, you know, my big old binder. But I knew, I knew this wasn't for me. I didn't know Christian music existed that didn't come out of a redback hymnal. But I knew this music wasn't for me. 
I knew because it was poisoning my soul. I knew because it was poisoning my mind. I knew because it was changing the goodness that God had already been putting in me, and it was trying to change it to something else. The profanity, the vulgarity, the, the, the lyrics in and of themselves. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was sinful. I knew it was bad. And, and listen, you say, well, it's not sinful for me, but it, you know, maybe it was for you. That's between you and God. But I seriously doubt you can live a born-again, Holy Spirit-filled lifestyle listening to vulgar, profane, Awful stuff. But, you know, you go ahead and you, you have it your way. That's what the gospel says, right? Do it your way. Don't do it God's way. But anyway. So I got home and I took every single one of those CDs, even Alan Jackson. I don't, ain't nothing wrong with Alan Jackson. But, boy, he got cracked in half just like everybody else did. And I threw them away. Thankfully, a couple of weeks later, my friend gave me a WOW 99 CD that I burned the tracks off. Listening to Big Tent Revival and Audio Adrenaline. As much as I love page 110 and 333 out of the Redback, I was glad to find something else. Because I'm telling you, when you get filled and when you're touched by God, when you are cut to your heart with the gospel of Jesus, some things you might need to be discipled on, but there's some things you just know. This doesn't honor God. This isn't helping me become who God's made me to be. And right now, in your life right now, some of you, I tell you this with love. I said this last week. I'm telling you this with love. I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't. There are things in your life that you are allowing to live in your home, to live in your mind, that's coming through your TV, coming through your phone, coming in through your ears, that you need to get rid of. Because they are keeping you from being who God has called you to be. And yeah, you might go to heaven when you die, but you will continue living a survival type of life instead of the thriving life that Jesus wants for you and is designed for you. You need to repent of your sin. Peter said there's things in your life that you're doing that you need to stop doing. You didn't come to church expecting to get this kind of stuff today, but you thought we're preaching on the Holy Spirit. This is going to make me feel good. Well, it will make you feel good if you'll be in obedience to the word. If there's sin in your life, don't compromise with it. Don't put it off. Don't try to tell yourself it's okay for you, even if it's not for somebody else. Why don't, instead of trying to see what you can get away with, instead of doing that, why don't you ask yourself, how can I go the extra mile to pursue not a perfect life, but a holy life? Not, not to pursue a legalistic life. I'm not out, we're not here trying, trying to make everybody else live up to my convictions. There was a man in my church that wouldn't drink caffeine because he considered it a controlling substance. And listen, I ain't got that conviction, y'all. I ain't, you can't put that on me. That's not the Lord. It was for him, but it's not me. But I guarantee you, there are things in your life. There's things in my life that I'm allowing or have allowed to either come out of my mouth or live in my mind or live in my heart that, that, that the Lord is saying, listen, if you want to get from where you are to where I'm taking you, it is time to repent. It is time to stop. It is time to change. It is time to understand that the ways of this world are not the ways of God. And then he said, and be baptized. So, so if Peter is saying, there are things in your life you need to stop, Peter's also saying, there are things in your life that you need to do. So there are things that you've got to stop. I guarantee you, there's not a person in this room who has so arrived in their life with God that they could honestly say, after taking a deep evaluation of their own personal life, would, would not be able to say, oh, everything, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I don't have to stop anything. If You're lying. You're lying to yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Show me, is there any way inside of me that is unrighteous. Show me, is there anything in me that is offensive to your ways, that grieves your spirit? And I guarantee you, through his love and his grace, he will begin to reveal things. But don't ask it if you're not ready. But just as that we've been called to, to, to quit, to, to repent, we are, we're also called to be baptized. And for some of you, it actually might be to be water baptized. You've just said, you know, I don't need to be baptized. Well, if Jesus needed to be baptized, I think you probably do too. You, say, you might even say, well, I was baptized as a kid. Let me ask you, did you know what you were doing? Or did you do it because it was cool? Have you, since that point in your life, walked away from your life in Christ and now have come back to it? Maybe you should entertain being baptized again as you recommit your life to Jesus. 
And for some of us, it's just understanding that, that my life in Christ was not meant to be made private. It is meant to go public. James says it like this. He says, if a man or a woman, if they know to do good, but they don't do it, to him, it is sin. So just as God is calling us to, to lay down sin, he's also calling us to pick up the things that we know we should do, that we need to do, that we've been called to do. So what barriers do you need to get rid of? Listen, I'm going to make an altar call in a few moments. But you don't need to wait till then to ask God to forgive you of sin and to make up your mind to repent. You can do it right now, under your breath, right where you're sitting. You can think of that thing or things in your life that you would say, Pastor Drew, this, this in my life, I've been saying these things or I've been looking at this thing, I've been doing this thing, I've been listening to this thing, whatever it may be. And I know this is not the will of God for my life and I'm repenting of it right now. Or you, you, the same could be true of the things you know you need to start doing. Make up your mind right now where you are between you and the Holy Spirit. God, whatever it is you want me to give up, whatever it is you want me to pick up, I'm in it all the way, whatever it looks like. Remove any barriers that are standing between you and your Father. You know, I mean, all that sin is is thinking that something could actually be better than God's best for you. That's all it is. That's the very first sin that took place in Genesis 3. The serpent said to Eve, he knows that if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. But what they didn't realize and didn't remember is that they were already made in the likeness and image of God. They didn't need anything else to be everything that God had made them to be. And any time we choose sin over what God has for us, we are essentially saying, God, I'm just not sure you're as good as I think you are or as you say you are. So remove any barriers. Number two, everybody say number two. Request the gift of the Holy Spirit. We want to receive you today, Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us right now, even as we are in this middle of this message, to remove any barriers, to repent, to be baptized, to make our minds up, that we're going to turn away from what is evil and turn our hearts to what you've called us to. And Jesus, we ask you that you would give us your spirit. I read this last week. Jesus says in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, if you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your Father in heaven want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Many of you today haven't received all that God has for you because you haven't asked. And you might say, well, Pastor Drew, I've asked. But, but may I just remind you that a lot of times we might say we want something, but we put conditions around it that we want it this way. God, I want all you have for me, but, you know, I don't want to speak in tongues. That's weird. You know, I put it on, on Facebook this week. The Holy Spirit's not weird. Anybody see that post? Add me on Facebook. Like, Holy Spirit's not weird. Now, there's weird people. People are weird, but the Holy Spirit's not weird. And my youth pastor, who's actually the one who invited me to go to church the night that I got saved, she actually commented on there. She said, you mean, you mean the Holy Spirit won't make you bark like a dog and cluck like a chicken? And... Uh, I said, no, 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 no. At least he won't me because we've worked something out. <laughs> but here's the truth of the matter. <laughs> Please don't do this. <laughs> if God says, all right, Drew, if you want everything I got for you, you got to bark like a dog and cluck like a chicken, then you're ready to hear some rough roughs and cluck clucks, okay? Because <laughs> when you go to God and you say, God, I want what you have for me, you don't get the option to say, but I want it this way. That's not how that works. That's not, we don't, we don't get that right, okay? We get the right as children of God to say, God, I want what you have because I trust you. I trust that you're good. And God, whatever it is you have, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, whatever it even feels like, I just, I want that. So today, as you make up your mind, okay, there are things that I'm going to lay down. I'm repenting of these things. There are things that I'm going to pick up because God has said to do these things. There's also, you, you've also got to make up your mind and say, God, whatever it is you want to give me, I want to have it. No asterisks added. No, 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 no addendums added, right? So we remove the barriers. We request the gift. And then, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. 
We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Another account that's similar to what we read in Acts 19 comes from Acts 8. It's very, very similar, but this is, this is what it says. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they may receive the Holy Spirit. Again, because remember, the Holy Spirit is a separate work of salvation. It's not the same thing. The Holy Spirit draws you to salvation, but being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not the same as being baptized into Jesus or being saved. So they, that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, or they had simply been water baptized, is what, what they're saying here, what Luke is telling us. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So as you remove the barriers, as you request the gift, you have to receive it by faith. Let me say it another way that may help you make, make more sense out of it. You don't receive it by feeling. You receive it by faith. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been a believer. You have not received all God has for you. If you're still breathing, he still has purpose for you. He still has more he wants to do in you and he wants to do through you. I don't care how far you've come, there is still more journey left in front of you. And so we have to be open to the truth, no matter where we are in our walk with Christ, that we have not yet received all that God has for us. And so we remove the barriers. We request the gift. We receive by faith. And then we choose, and this is my last point, Lori, if you'll come. We choose to be filled daily. To be filled daily. And this is what I mean. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not just a one, it's not just a one and done deal. Every day I want to receive new. I read from Ephesians 5, 18 last week. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. That leads to reckless living or to botrous, a debaucherous life, right? He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you've um, had much experience with the lowercase spirits in your life, personally or observationally. But, you know, I could, I could partake of a alcoholic substance and it would begin to inebriate me eventually it would change my vision it would change my speech it would change my thinking but eventually that effect would wear off are you following me eventually that effect would wear off and I would become uninfluenced by that spirit lowercase spirit well the same is true of the Holy Spirit Every day, I have to make the decision to partake of what God has for me so that my vision begins to reflect his vision, so that my mind begins to reflect his mind, so that my speech begins to reflect his speech. Because if I just drink of him once and then I think I'm done, eventually I will run empty. And eventually when we run empty, we try to fill that void with something else. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, I would run empty. But I want to tell you today, you've got to keep consuming so that you can continue to remain under the influence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, every day of your life. That's why you can never arrive. You can only continue. Will you stand with me this morning? Go ahead and prepare your hearts. If you're going to come to this altar in a few moments, just get ready. I believe God wants to fill you with the Spirit. I believe God wants to overwhelm you with His grace, to transform you with His presence, and to do a significant work in your life. A lot of people believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, is just as one and done. It's some sort of an experience that 
you know, you, you shake, you shout, you dance, you speak in tongues, or, and those things often do happen. But here's the problem with that incomplete theology is that Jesus did not give us the Holy Spirit so that we could shout, so that we could jump, so that we could run, and dare I even say, so that we could just speak in tongues. He gave us His Spirit so that we would be filled with kingdom power to walk across the street and to share the good news with our neighbor. He gave us His Spirit so that we could receive spiritual insight to encourage our sister or our brother in Christ so that we could proclaim the gospel in both word and deed in everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we post, everywhere that we go, and in everything that we're part of. And this, my friend, is why we should seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not because we want an experience, but because we want Him. All of Him. That we would be filled with power from heaven in order to become His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That we would be empowered to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations, starting with those in our own communities. And last thing I'll say, and then I'm going to ask you to come if you want to be filled with the Spirit. The real evidence, the lasting evidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life and on our lives is not found in tongues or prophecy. It is found in Acts chapter 2. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I don't care if you speak in tongues, shout, prophesy, and give out words of knowledge. If people aren't coming to new life in Christ, then that's not, that's not the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If people's lives are not being changed and transformed, if families aren't being saved, if people, we talk about revival. Can I tell you? We don't need to pray for revival anymore. We just need to steward revival. I don't think you heard me. We need to stop praying for revival and we need to start stewarding the revival God has given us. Many of you, you're so stuck on trying to find an experience, but what you really need to be stuck on is repenting and being baptized, letting go and picking up and saying, God, whatever it looks like, whatever it feels like, wherever it takes me, whatever it is, God, I want it. I don't want the experience. I just want you. And God, I want it to create lasting change in me. I'm not chasing a gift. I'm chasing the gift giver. I'm not chasing the hand of God. I'm chasing the face of God. I'm not worried about the product. I want to know the one who gave it, the one who made it. That's revival. That's a move of God. That's receiving and living in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So today, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, will you come to this altar? I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to shake you. I'm not going to kick you. I'm not going to blow in your face. I'm not going to hit you with my Bible. But I'm going to believe God to give you everything He has for you. Come on. Come on. Let's go around over here. today. You've been running on empty. You've been scraping by. Listen, Jesus didn't die so that you could scrape by. He gave up his life so that you could live an overwhelming victory against anything the enemy would bring your way. Is there anybody else? So here's my last question for you. If you were standing out there, I assume either you don't want it or you've already got everything you can have. You can't hold anymore. So I'm going to give you another opportunity. Some of you are standing out there and you need to make a move. Let me move some more this way. Now, lastly, 
If you are out there, you have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you are in a place where you feel like you're good to do this, I want you to come and gather behind these. Come up, come up a little closer. If you will. There's a few left. We're going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to pray for every single person that's in this altar. But I want you to hear me. My prayer is not what's going to make the difference for your life. I'm just a person. I don't, ha I don't have anything to give you. There's nothing. There, there's no power in me apart from just the presence of God. So as I pray for you, and as you sit in this altar, as you stand in this altar, you have to make up your mind that I'm going to praise my Father. I don't care if you're praising Him in English. I don't care if you're praising Him in the Spirit. I'm going to lift up a shout of praise. You have to make up your mind. God, there's sin in my life, but I'm going to get rid of that mess, and I'm going to, I'm going to let that go, and I'm going to pick up what it is you have for me. You have to make up your mind. Lord, whatever it looks like, God, I want it. Whatever you have for me, God, I want it. God, I want it. I, no, no preconditions. No, no terms of agreement. God, I want it. You're a good father, and I'm your child, and God, I want what you've got for me. So as I pray, I want you to understand there is no power that's in my prayer. The power is in his presence, okay? So don't wait around for me to get to you before you start praying, before you start believing. Activate your faith right now. Activate your faith right now and say, right now, listen to me, right now. Look, your, look to heaven. Hold your hands up to heaven in a posture of receiving. All across this room, lift your hands to heaven in a posture of receiving. And just repeat to yourself, repeat to your Father, God, I want what you've got for me. I want to receive your Spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled overflowing. I don't want to just be filled. God, I want to be thrown into the ocean. God, I want it all. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, whatever it feels like, I want it all. All right, let's praise, let's worship.